0: Welcome, adventurers and knowledge seekers. We are your guides, Goose and Ash. Hello. Take a map and a torch, but whatever you do, please do not feed the gelatinous cube as we enter the The Crypt of Crypt of of Knowledge.
1: Hey, everyone, and welcome back to the Crypt of Knowledge. We're so excited to talk tonight about the new information that we've just got out from 1D&D. So, but first of all, Goose, how are you tonight?
0: I'm doing pretty good. I'm really excited about this too. It's it's a lot of information that kind of dumped on us without any warning. Uh, and we knew stuff was coming, but it's, it's really exciting. Uh, how are you doing, Ash?
1: I'm doing good. I've been just trying to wrap my head around uh, all of this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the kind of person that somebody says they're like, Hey it's this new stuff. I'm like, okay, here's the new stuff and then I have to remember to be like, no, wait, let's think critically for a second and then and then just dissect
0: it. So well, there's plenty to be critical about and plenty of exciting stuff too. so we'll we'll break all that stuff down but uh, but first it is nearly the end of August uh, but you still have a little bit of time left. To get into our August giveaway, which is for a, a lovely 3D printed dice tower that Miss Ash has made for us, it has interchangeable shields on it. It has a dice gel. It can take the big dice, even if you've not seen it on our socials where she rolls it. Uh, it's it's really. I didn't
1: even know that till I did. I mean, I tried it first, but then I was like, "Huh, I wonder." And I don't mind losing my dice inside of it, so I did it, and I was
0: tickled it rolled thrilled to death it rolled great it rolled just like any normal <laughs> dice through there yeah it was great it worked out fantastic uh so all you need to do is just go find our socials and make sure that you follow us on those socials you can do it on our twitter on our instagram on our tiktok they are all at DD crypt podcast You can find it all there. If you want to see a little bit more about it, you can always go to our website, CryptonKnowledge.com. It's like the first thing you see. If you scroll down the page, it's right there. It shows you everything. Uh, And then next month, we have some exciting giveaways, too, that you'll have to uh, come back and listen to next week. We're really excited about these.
1: Yeah, it's it's some good ones. You don't want to miss it for sure.
0: Absolutely. So, Ash, what was your first impression when you heard 1D&D? Just the name. What did you think?
1: I mean it reminded me of One Shot. I was like <laughs> for them, I was like, oh okay. I didn't I don't know. It was a little mundane. Yeah. I think. You know, we've got Tasha's Cauldron of Everything and and I mean the monsters of the Multiverse. Everything, all the titles of everything is I mean, even Dungeons and Dragons. So for it to just be one D and D, I get it. Mm. I understand the the heart behind it. Um, so there's like no qualms with that, but just felt a little dull to me.
0: Yeah, I, I understand the principle too. They're taking everything that's out there and putting it into one, and everything they're putting out new is backwards compatible. So I, I understand the title, but I'm with you. It's it's a little underwhelming. I just think it could have been better marketing. But you know, the the logo even it, itself is kind of meh, nothing cool. Yeah. There's no dragon Something on it. Something
1: like Something like Universal D&D or the you know, D&D Total Universe. Some, just something more epic. Yeah. Because this is... It's epic. So this whole, it just fell a little flat.
0: Yeah. It, it's a big change. I mean, I guess when you look back at the history of D&D and wizards and everything, even when we went from three to three and a half, that's literally just got what it, it got branded three and a half. Nobody even mm-hmm. used any name other than that for it. So I, I think a lot of people in this go around will probably... Do the same thing, call it five and a half. I, I don't know how many people will say one D and D, but the principles behind it are pretty cool. There were th- yeah. three pillars, right?
1: Yeah. So I think they started with rule changes.
0: Mm-hmm. That's a big one, right? That's
1: pretty. Which we knew was coming, right? So that wasn't a surprise when they said there's be three new core rule books coming out for the fiftieth anniversary. We've been speculating for a while yeah. about. About that, so Absolutely. no surprises. Mm-hmm. Um, we've always been curious about how they would make that happen. Yeah, because um, what fifth edition was? It's not even ten years old, right?
0: No, uh, twenty fourteen, I think. So it, it's yeah, it's not been that long. Of course, three was only out a couple of years before they went to, to three and a half, and then it was only out a couple of years before they went to fourth. So I think you know that mm-hmm. was a short lived cycle. I, I think here, so many people have jumped on five e. It's such, it's such a strong addition. It's very simple, easy to use. And the, yeah. and the user base is so large. I think they were scared to change it and say, we have to fully switch to a new edition. I think is mm. why we're seeing this. And they're just going to continue to drop new books and change a few things around as it goes. I, I, that's my only, only reasoning back behind it is the fact that they just were too scared with all the new people that are in the game, so.
1: Too scared to do something, and also too scared not to do something big for the 50th anniversary. True. Because Because, you know, people are, if for no other reason, we can't forget that D&D Beyond is a company. True. And it's it's a cash grab. Sure, you know, maybe just, there will be nothing but new art. Maybe they'll just be beautiful, and you'll yeah. want them just for the aesthetics, and I, I mean... I'm a sucker for that. Sure. I'll probably buy them, you know. So.
0: Sure. Uh, but that leads into the second pillar is actually they're going to be using physical and digital combinations this time around. So that is a positive, positive. and we speculated on that a few episodes ago as well. The fact yep. that now, if you pre-order and it's out now, the Dragonlance that's coming out soon, if you pre-order that, you get both. You get the physical book and you get your D and D copy. So that's a bonus that cuts down on all the the double purchasing you had to do uh there are still people that are having to purchase it on their VTTs, so roll 20 or fantasy grounds or whatever Mm you're going on there's still that extra purchase but now you don't have to buy it three or four times you know if you were doing that so i think that's a huge change Uh, we had we had wondered how you would do that because if you put it in stores in a physical book and just have like a digital code in it you know that's going to get ripped Mm -hmm. off but this way i think is the best way if you if you buy it digitally, digitally, basically send you a hard copy. So, I, I don't mind that change at all. I think it will help out a lot.
1: I think they're doing right by the customer base. They're, they they always talk about how important our feedback is. They're always talking about how much they want to hear from us, and so this just kind of backs that vision. That just they're putting their money where their mouth is. Say we love you guys. We're going to do right by you. It's probably not the best thing for them fiscally. But it is the best thing for the customer. So they're they're doing the right thing, for sure.
0: Yeah, well, it may hurt a little to not have those yeah. double sales. They were only getting a portion of that because, remember, they didn't own d and Beyond until just recently. So right. they were just getting the kickback of whatever using the name and the likeness and all that they were getting from the other the people that owned it. So I can see why they did this because I think if you offer that solution now, when people aren't having to buy books double or triple, they will buy more books,
1: Oh, for sure. So
0: I, I think for them, they're going to come out pretty good in the long run with this. I, I don't think it's going to hurt them yep. all.
1: No, I don't think this is... I think this is a good faith move, you know, to for the, for the players.
0: Yeah. You, you said, you know, they were listening to the players and players have been asking mm-hmm. for this for a long time. So, yeah, I agree. Yeah. It's a perfect move. But then the third option they announced it and I'm waiting to see more, this looked fantastic, was their digital D&D experience, uh, which is a 3D virtual tabletop they're working on based on the Unreal 5 engine. It looked fantastic. It was just a brief overview they gave us. But then that brings into the fact that you really truly only have to buy the book once if you're gonna be using it there, if you're using their virtual tabletop so that it it could save people a lot of money. (laughs) If they go that yeah. route, but the virtual tabletop looked nice. They showed off where you could make your own little token to to move around in the 3D world. Uh, the camera angles were were shown uh, specifically to make it you know look like you were playing, not like a video game, but to make it look like mm-hmm. you were playing a board game. So I, I think the potential there is fantastic. When that will release, I don't know if it'll come out in 2024 with the rest, but it looks intriguing. I'm interested to see, and hopefully, I can get in the beta of that.
1: I'm excited. It was really, really good looking. And I mean, we've all seen preview videos for different video games and things that were like, that looks awesome. And then you get it and you're like, oh, this is a little more okay, that's fine. Um, but it does look really good. And and they've so far they've offered us up really good examples of, of hey, this is what we're hoping to do, and then and then what they deliver is is just as good as they promised. But I was intrigued by the fact it's a very specific virtual tabletop. Yes. It really is unlike anything else I've I've played in. So it'll offer a very, very specific experience and really uh, catering to those needs and wants of people who miss the in-person tabletop experience with the minis and the figures. I mean, it looked exactly like a real in-person tabletop. So yeah, it was, it was cool.
0: I think that's what they're aiming for. Uh, they... It, and it all boils down to it doesn't matter how pretty it looks how does it function when it gets out there is yeah. it easy to use can those players that aren't used to playing online get in and use it simply without being overwhelmed so there's a lot of questions still about it obviously that they'll show us uh, over the next few years when it, before it comes out but the potential like you said is is huge uh, to have you know one purchase all your books are there uh, any you know uh, one shots or books like that that you purchase all the maps and all the assets will be there for you to use, and then they mentioned you could break those down and use them to build your own maps and things too. So yes, that will be yeah. they are nice. basically
1: like here is it all. It's already done, but you can take it all piecemeal and build and build your own in addition, which I absolutely love. And until then, because it will be a couple years before it comes out, but above VTT just hit over three thousand Google Chrome. Extension add-ons, three downloads. How many?
0: Three hundred thousand, wasn't it, or thirty thousand, something like that? It was a huge number. It was more. Yeah. Than, yeah. Was it
1: three? What did I say? Three thousand. Sorry, said 3, but <laughs> until then, I would say that above is a fantastic resource. While we're just waiting for D and D Beyond to to come out with what we hope will be an awesome BTT. Yeah.
0: If you want integration with your D and D Beyond. That's the way to yes. go right now, 100. It's it's yes. smooth, it's easy to use. It, it's easier than Roll Twenty or any of those other ones. It's it's very simple to use, so definitely check it out if you haven't seen that. We do have a review of it a couple episodes back. We'll put it in the show notes so you can go back and look at it. But uh, yeah, so all this is aimed for 2024, which again we've mentioned this is the 50th anniversary but in the meantime they're putting out all these unearthed arcanas to get us to that point and let us test everything so roughly every month there will be a new arcana unearthed arcana that's coming out so the first one is out now if you want to look at it it's free all you got to do is go to their one DD page and click a few buttons and you can download it look at it, it's nine pages it's really simple to go through and the one hour video Uh, It tells you everything that's basically in there. There's not much they leave out when Mm -hmm. they're talking about it. So it's all there. So check it out for yourselves and give it a play test. And I believe they said 1st of September around then will be the first feedback that opens up. So you can start giving some feedback.
1: Yeah, there will be a survey put out. So everyone's got a little bit of time to check it out, read it over, roll up. Roll up some characters with this new stuff and, and see how it feels. And then give them your feedback because what we say will influence... You know what the actual rules will be. They make it very clear that everything they're releasing is just playtest. It is just a draft, and what our what the surveys reveal will influence the final form.
0: Yeah, as per usual with any fandom, there has been a huge uproar over many things that have come out in this first UA playtest, uh, but. nothing's set in stone. So if you don't like something, give them the feedback. And if enough people don't like it, then it will change. Uh, Another thing to remember is all of this is backward compatible to your regular five that you already play. You don't Mm -hmm. have to make any of these changes going forward. You can mix and match. There are things that we will talk about as we break this down that we're like, "Mm, never going to happen at our table, but (laughs) you know it might work for other people's tables. So just remember that. Nobody needs to freak out yet. Let's all take a breath and enjoy testing out some new rules.
1: Yep. (laughs) This is your world. You can make it however you want as long as everyone at your table is cool. So just... Think of this as some extra sprinkle confetti on top of your game and, you know, take the meat and leave the bones.
0: There you go. It's a great way to put it. (laughs) Uh, So this first UA that came out is focused around three pieces, really. Uh, There are some additional changes, but mostly it's about the different races and the changes to those, the backgrounds, which is a huge change, and feats. So they've added some feats in there. So that's kind of what we'll break down is this first UA that came out. Um, so races they have some extended options for currently available races used to be you were a dwarf and you had to pick which type of dwarf you were that's kind of gone but you get additional features like their stone cunning that was useful for rp but not much else uh, now it allows you to use Trimmer sense a certain number of times i think it's your uh, proficiency a number of times but you know that's something that can be very useful trimmer sense you're in the middle of a battle or something's hidden and you're trying to find it those those things can be beneficial.
1: And what a dwarfy move yeah. to be like, hold on, and like just touch the ground and sense the world around you. I love it. I absolutely love it. We all know exactly how that's going to, you know, benefit, what that could be used for. It's just a great thing. And I love things that you can do that don't cost anything to the character. Yeah. It's just one of those innate abilities. So I, I'm excited. I that might make me want to play a dwarf because I think that's really cool.
0: Dwarves are always cool, and I've seen stone cunning used for various things. Uh, mm-hmm. you, you know, we had a dwarf that played with us, and, and he's used I was just it.
1: thinking that. I'm like, he used it really frequently and really well.
0: Yeah. It's, you know, it's a part of who dwarves are, you know? Right. So to be able to expand that uh, is pretty neat. And, and I like the way they've done that with some other races, too. Tieflings have changed this time around, Right.
1: They did. They got another fiendish legacy to choose from, yeah.
0: Yeah, like two additional ones now. The was it two? Oh, yeah. Sorry. The infernal is your basic tiefling. So if you keep right. the infernal, that is exactly who you were before. You have all the same spells that are innate to you, all those other things. But then they added in abyssal and cathonic. Yes. <laughs> yes. When I
1: when they said it in the video, I thought they said cathartic. And I'm like, so is this in a tiefling that... <laughs> It's just like looking. It's like a festival tiefling mm-hmm. that's just looking at all these cathartic experiences. Yeah. It's always shrooming. It's always like meditating. It's always-
0: That is a fantastic idea for a character, for sure.
1: I think it like so. I thought they said cathartic. I'm like, well, that's interesting. I don't see how it's going to be a very combat worthy, but I still like it a lot.
0: Yeah, I mean... It's it's really a hundred percent the opposite. The catonic, you know, kind of it is not cathartic. Cthulhu, it's not you know, those kind right? of things. Uh, total opposite, but you I like your idea.
1: I'm going to write that one down.
0: You should. My next
1: one-shot character is going to be a festival babe. That's what she's going to (laughs) do. There you
0: go. But, yeah, so if you choose one of those, the backgrounds are a little different. So the Chthonic um, gets the chill touch. So you think kind of back in Critical Role how Jester used ice abilities and everything as her tiefling. So this is kind of that throwback to to changing things up and, and allowing that into the world where the Abyssals get poison spray. Mm. I'm not sure why, but they get poison spray and change up a little bit. You know, the, the three different realms help define those characters a little more, I think. So That that is an interesting choice to be able to do that. And they've, as we go through and talk about it, you'll see they have added in things like that, where they've, they've split things into three different choices fairly often as we go through. So, interesting.
1: Yeah. just kind of flavors the race a little bit more, so... And of course, your infernals have firebolt. Yeah, because that's. <laughs> I mean, like I say, the that is who they are. Yeah, the, the
0: infernal tiefling is the tiefling we've all grown and loved, and five million of us play because it's one yeah. of the most popular races. So,
1: oh, tiefling is so so well loved. So I'm glad it's to see it's getting some more flavors, and I I just anticipate we see the tiefling get fleshed out even more. Yeah, as time goes on, because people just love it.
0: Yeah, well, they've given us another option with tieflings and humans. Uh, Now you can choose to be either medium or small. So you can be the tiniest little tiefling if you like.
1: (laughs) I love it. Honestly, there was something about playing a large, looming tiefling that I didn't love, but like a little tiny boy. Oh, I would. I love it. I'm so. This is just so exciting and uh, inspiring.
0: (laughs) So a small-sized, cathartic tiefling. It's true. Your... Oh my gosh!
1: Just like a total rave chick. She's like wearing glow sticks and like macrame halter tops. Yeah, no, this is it's happening. <laughs> that is fantastic.
0: I I cannot wait to have this character in our campaigns. <laughs> She's gonna be awesome. It will be awesome. But after that, humans get a little bit of a tweak as well. Uh, they they're trying in this revamp or addition, whatever they're adding on here. They're trying to take some of the rules and things that were kind of not used a lot. They were hoarded. Uh, you know, like inspiration is what we're talking about now. Inspiration mm-hmm. was harder to get. The DM kind of was under control of it. And now yeah. they've changed it You get it a lot of different ways. The first of the ways we'll talk about is through just humans gain inspiration after a long rest. You wake up mm-hmm. and you're like, I feel inspired. So that's <laughs> an interesting way to give humans a little that's more... That's
1: the most fantastical <laughs> element of this game. I
0: agree. It's not real That's, world at all.
1: That has nothing to do with being a human. <laughs>
0: I'm
1: not I am 98% human and that has nothing to do with being <laughs>
0: it. <laughs> Yeah, it's quite the contrary. W- waking yeah. up is not where the inspiration comes from at all, but <laughs> No. No, no, no. <laughs> but it's it's neat. It, again, it gives the humans which sometimes people feel aren't up to par with the other fantastical races, which I I feel they are. I feel they can do just fine. Uh, but some people feel like they're not. So it gives them something else, a little additional. Uh, another change with the inspiration is the fact that if you have inspiration, as always, you can only have one. But if you have inspiration already, you can give it to somebody else in your party if you gain another. So I love that. Yeah. So if I wake up as a human and I have my inspiration for the day and I am gung-ho and ready to go as my rave chick, cath- cathartic tiefling, <laughs> <laughs> and then I get inspiration some other way I can just pass it off to one of my other party members and I think that's pretty nice to be able to share it
1: oh I love that because we've all been in those moments where you know that a certain party member a certain character could really do something cool Mm -hmm. if only and so I think it'll make for a great group play
0: agreed it will be interesting to see how people start using it now because I agree I think a lot of people hoarded inspiration they were afraid to use it and they wanted to save it when they needed it Sure. So this will be interesting to realize you can get it a little more often. So yeah. yeah. They did add another race. I know. An interesting race too at this. The Ardlings. So this is a, a upper plane race and it, it harkens back to three, three and a half, those different editions that had archons. Uh, specifically, the mm-hmm. Gardinal Archons, because all of those Gardinals had different animal heads. Yeah, and so this is the same way. There are three different types of Ardlings for the different upper planes, and each of those types had a different head. So you've got, you know, falcon head, a horse head, uh, all kinds of different heads. As
1: cat, th- eagle. Yeah. So yeah, you, got some cool ones.
0: You can choose all those, and they're basically basically fallen angels. Uh, the upper upper plains, so they get another cool, short-lived ability. It's a it's a limited flight that they get. So you get your normal movement. So if you got thirty feet, you can move that thirty feet on your turn with flight. But at the end of your turn, if you haven't landed, you fall. So yep. can't really cross a big chasm or anything like that. But you could technically jump thirty feet in the air now,
1: or jump as the video said. They're like <laughs> jump into a tree to save a cat for like, sure. Yeah, honestly, I was just like, you know what? Again, I love abilities that don't cost too much to do. Mm-hmm. I just think it allows for players to be more inventive. I think it makes for better role play or even better combat. Because we do we do I mean, this is homebrew, but we do combos mm-hmm. in our combat. That's a lot <laughs> of the same sounds. Yeah. <laughs> but how cool would it be if we had an Ardling that could just use their quick flight ability to fly to to pick up and fly someone fifteen feet, and with a strength check, and I don't know, I can just see a lot of cool things coming out of this neat, very low risk, low cost ability.
0: Yeah, and I tried this. I don't remember how long ago there was an Earth Arcana, a pretty good while ago, that was a race that had limited flight, and there was all kind of uproar. <laughs> When that sucker came out, you know, people were like, it's going to break the game and yada, yada, yada. And,
1: oh, I remember that. Yeah. Oh, come on. Yeah.
0: I mean, this, I think that one had was a little bit different in the flight. Uh, but this mm-hmm. is very limited. I mean, it's just your movement speed. So, I yeah. mean, you were going to have that movement speed anyway. You can just get a little more verticality out of this character, which is never a bad thing. I mean, think of a ranger who can use this verticality to find their way into a, a tower or, or somewhere to have a better shot on people. So, yeah. I, I'm good with it. I don't think this will harm the game at all.
1: (laughs) I don't think so. 30 feet? No, I mean, I think it'll be fine. I think it'll make it just even more fun.
0: Yeah, and that's what we're trying to do is have fun, right? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So the other races, not a lot changed. Some little tweaks here and there. But one of the things that happened is there are no half races in this new Unearthed Arcana. So uh, mainly that the biggest one for me that turns half-orcs into just orcs. Mhm. So
1: which I'm ex- I'm excited. I, I feel like the orcs have been due for a redemption for a while now and I'm excited to see them come into into play as a more of a normality and not an abnormality. Right. But, you know, we were talking about this earlier. I'm like, "Oh, I kind of I like the idea of half elves and half th- I like the the idea of having uh, a character with a foot in each camp yep. and an experience of both sides of the coin. I think that makes for really complex, interesting characters.
0: It does. And the wonderful thing, again, these are all tests that could change. It also is backward compatible. We've said it a couple of times now. Sure. So you can keep those races if you really want them in there. You can adjust them, change them however you'd like. Because the other ones they list in in this part of the UA is just Dragonborn, Elf, Gnome, and halfling. So that's mm-hmm. the only other ones besides, you know, the ones we talked about that are in there. But they also do mention that all the monsters of the multiverse, all those 30 races that are in there can be used. You know, they've kind of been prepping for this with the uh, Tasha's Cauldron, everything, how they moved the ability score adjustments out of there. And now they've moved them in this one even to somewhere else. So, I, you know, it's all there. It's all usable. It's just depending on how you like to play. Mm-hmm. You know, there weren't a lot of true differences between if you played an elf or an Eladrin versus playing a half-elf. A lot of your innate abilities were pretty close to the same. So, right, yeah. So it's all just flavor, and, and we can do flavor no matter what the rules say.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely.
0: <laughs> so the next big one is backgrounds, and they are being changed drastically, which I like. Because backgrounds, for a lot of people, are just kind of an afterthought. Yeah. You know, they, they, yeah. they weren't something that you spent a lot of time on because you were going to make your, your true background, you're going to make, you know, what happened to you, you're going to write your story out. But these backgrounds are providing more narrative weight of who you were before you became this adventurer. Uh, so they have encouraged people, as we were talking about, you know, half elves and half everything else, they're encouraging people to have parents of different kinds. So you can still have your human and your elf as your parents. You can make yourself look however you want narratively, but then you just have to pick the human or the elf to use the stats. So I don't... Well, that makes sense. Yeah, I don't mind that at all. I think it's still fine.
1: I'd rather do that than take half and half yeah. of each kind. I think that's a better... That just gives the uh, player more more freedom.
0: Yes. It, yeah. And they provide you some rules here, too, because they want you to make your own backgrounds. So they they kind of broke apart each little piece of what's in a background, and they have given you rules to go and build your own. There are still a pretty large list of pre-made ones in there, so you can use all those if you'd like to, but they give you a lot more freedom to be the exact character that you want to be.
1: And I think it's also they've given incentive To thinking out your background and like hey you don't want to write your own that's fine you can still you still have to pick one of our pre-made ones and if you do so you can really build an even more interesting character like lending your uh, you know fighter some healing properties because they've got a background as a field medic things like that and so I think it'll help our our lovely players who I don't want to write a story I just want to show up and and shoot things and punch things and stab things. Well, this gives them a little more incentive to think through the background because it's gonna beef up their character if they do so.
0: Yeah. And and feats have taken a big change here too. Yeah. Every background now includes a level one feat. Yes, there mm-hmm. are levels to your feats now. It still appears to me, looking at them, there are still prerequisites. So you you might have prerequisites and a level but I don't think any of the level ones had prerequisites, so we'll have to wait and see mm-hmm. kind of what those come out as. But it does still have it listed on there prerequisites, and they just had none besides the ones that are in there. But they've also done a lot of changes to those. You talked about the healer's kit; it was kind of useless before. It wasn't. It wasn't great unless you were a healer. But then you already had some of those things. But they have gone back now and changed that one specific to, specifically to where if you have your healer's kit, you can actually perform healing on people in combat even if you're not a healer so things like that and the alert ability which gave you your, your plus five you also now can use it to swap your initiative with someone else which
1: here. i love
0: yeah you get into a combat and your monk is always first and he's got alert and he's like you know what there's a group of them we need our wizard to nuke them so i'm gonna flip my initiative with the wizard and yep, softens them up so that there's lots of possibilities with the things they're changing in those and i love it
1: I love it too because I've like, if you have medicine and bandages, sure, you may not be healing them in the same way as casting a spell, but you're still healing. They should still benefit from that medical attention. So I'm glad that that's being addressed. I don't like a lot of nitty gritty stuff in our fantasy games. I don't want you know, a lot of just boring, mundane stuff, but that's something I think should, you know, be there. Sure, yeah. it's you're just throwing some neosport and a band aid on it, but. <laughs> They're still gonna get they're still gonna get better even if it's not in the same way as like a spell. So I am very excited about that.
0: Right. And this gives you a reason to use your healer's kit. It has a certain number of uses and then it's gone and you gotta buy another one. So there's a resource that you're spending to do it. So I'm completely okay with adding in extra abilities so your fighter can have a med kit on them at all times. You right. know, and if somebody goes down, if the healer goes down, the fighter can run over and bring it back.
1: You don't have to have a party healer. Yes. This allows everyone to take responsibility. So hold on. Get out my soapbox. <laughs> listen to me. Just because... <laughs> this episode is about to derail quickly. Just because you have a cleric, even a life cleric, in your campaign, that doesn't mean they have to or are responsible for healing the party. This shares the wealth. Now everyone can have that responsibility placed on them. And so you don't have to spend your turn, uh, everyone looking at you like, I'm down 30 HP. What could, you know? What are you going to do about it, mom? Mom, come put a bandit on my knee, mom. Sorry.
0: Sounds like there's some deep feelings behind that. You hear the bitterness
1: <laughs> in my voice. <laughs> I just, I like this because that, that addresses that. It does. It spreads the responsibility. Now you don't have to have just one person going around healing. If you want to play that character... You don't care about combat. All you want to do is dish out healing, and that's—I love it. Do it. But if you're a cleric and you want to be a stabby cleric, do that too.
0: You know, clerics can do some damage. They've got the ability to do it, and and we've said many times in that campaign where you're a cleric that the best defense is a good offense. If you kill them, they can't hurt you. So I
1: just—I—I can't—I can't kill someone if I'm healing you all the time. Would you? Do you want me to kill him? Or do you want me to heal you?
0: Yeah. And and there are there are many classes now that have some type of healing. So you know, in the campaign we play now, we don't have a true healer. We have a druid mm-hmm. who doesn't really heal because he's a necromancy. But <laughs> you, you know, there there are abilities that different classes can have. So you don't always have to have that true healer anymore. But this just helps that even more. So I'm definitely yeah. I'm definitely down for it. One hundred percent. Absolutely. Uh, Then we talked about ability scores and those plus two, plus ones that you get when you you roll a character. Those have also now moved to your background. So you can choose anywhere you'd like to do them, just like they had in Tasha's Cauldron. You can put it in any stat. You can even choose three ones and Mm -hmm. put it into three different stats. So there are different ways that you can really fine-tune your character to be who you want it to be. So you, you've got your feats, you've got your ability scores, uh, you know, you've got your, when you pick your different skills and, and, and what you specialize in. So there there are lots of ways with that background now to, to just make it your own.
1: I love that. I just think it's going to make for some really interesting characters. I can't wait to see what people come up with.
0: Agreed uh starting equipment is the last thing in the backgrounds and now they have leveled the playing field every starting equipment package is worth 50 gold if you add up all the pieces it's worth 50 gold so uh, the you know it it helps there were some <laughs> unbalanced <laughs> different kits that you could start with uh, I, I never really it never really bothered me that much i
1: never paid attention
0: but it's at some people it really bothered <laughs> really bothered uh-
1: I'm glad that they'll feel a little bit better. I honestly never, I'm like, I, I don't know. I've, I'm sure always more focused on story than the, the logistics. And so, yeah. <laughs> but I'm glad, you know, our our dutiful rules lawyers can breathe a sigh of relief knowing that it's fair. Yes.
0: <laughs> and, you know, our campaigns, I think too, we've always started with different weapons and things. So outside of your main kit, you you always had some additional things. So I don't think that's ever been a, a big issue for us because of that, either. So uh, it, it's interesting, though. But yeah, backgrounds, I think, will be interesting. I plan on rolling some up very soon and, and seeing how different they can be than the ones that they had in the past and seeing how that affects character. Uh, they also have changed a few other rules. There's a whole glossary in there now of the rules or of, of words and things and what they mean. And they've changed up some of the meanings. Uh, One of the things they've done is added in a different spell tree list. So there are three new lists called Arcane, Divine, and Primal. So these are not tied to a class anymore, but just a source of magic. And all this is, is they're future-proofing things. Because when something new comes out, they don't have to say you're a wizard or whatever. Or if a new class comes out, they don't have to attach it to something. They can just say it's with the Arcane spell list. You know, if you can cast arcane spells, then you can cast this or if you have an, uh, abilities or magic items or other things they can attach it to these lists instead of attaching it back to a class now.
1: Okay, so it's it's kind of like uh, your, the different weapons that you're qualified to wield. Exactly. So whether you can wield Melee or, or ranged weapons. Yep.
0: Simple, martial, all those different kinds. Yeah. It, it's,
1: gotcha. Okay.
0: It's lumping into that, and and they did say that some spells will be in multiple. So you might have uh, huh? some spell that's arcane and divine. Uh, so as you look at your spells, when it tells you, you know, uh, it's an evocation or whatever it is, it will also list in there if it's arcane, divine, or primal. So.
1: Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah.
0: So that is interesting. Again, they they mentioned it several times that it's future proofing some things they want to do. They didn't specifically say what that was going to be, but I, I don't think that really affects anything at all because you still have your regular spell list. This is just kind of additional thing that they're going to have in the future. So, uh, gotcha. pretty pretty neat little thing, though, that they're they're thinking ahead at least. <laughs> they're not going to break something down the line with the changes they're making, so that's that's a nice thing.
1: It does seem as though they're treading they're treading carefully, they're treading thoughtfully. So yeah, I'm I think it'll be I think it's good things in store. So.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, they're giving us two years, you know, to try all this stuff out and they're asking for our feedback. So uh, if, if it's something that truly the majority of the people don't want, I don't think it'll make it in at the end. So nah, I I, like I think this is a perfect, perfect way for them to do this. Yeah, uh, Conditions, they added a condition, they added slow. So that is like it, specifically they mentioned, like if you're grappled with somebody and you're trying to drag them, then you are slowed. And you got some uh, disadvantages on things, and had uh, enemies had advantage to hit you when you're slowed, and those types of things. So it's it's I don't think it's anything far reaching outside of the box. You already had half movement when you're grappling somebody, so uh, yeah, that's what I was
1: just trying to think. I'm like, wait, isn't that already a thing? Like the the
0: pieces were there. You didn't have the Mm -hmm. specific condition. And they added, like, say, you know, you have advantage when somebody's attacking you. They have advantage on you when you're when you're slowed and all this stuff. So not not just for grappled. I'm sure there will be spells that have slowed effects and all that other.
1: I was just thinking, I'm like, there's going to be spells. There's going to probably be some race or class additions that make you immune to being slowed, that kind of stuff. So okay, I can see it being a uh, an important thing.
0: Yeah, and, and I would I would a- almost anticipate as things go forward too that you might see even something like haste being called a condition now. And that way they can just call to it and say, you have the hasted condition and you know what that condition is. You know, you're faster and you can do more and then you have the the downside after it wears off. So mm. I, I think that's okay to just kind of rename those as conditions sure. if you're going to use them in various places. So again, I think all this is just future proofing for what they plan on doing in the other UA stuff they release. So okay. now we want to talk about a big one. <laughs> Uh, Nat twenties and what happens when you do those and crits and all that good stuff. So we'll we'll just preface this with everyone has their opinion. We know that. We we see the debates around and it's a it's a big divisive thing right now. But as it's written right now, anytime you roll a Nat twenty, you get inspiration. I'm okay with that one.
1: Sure, that's pretty benign. Yeah, that's, yeah. Nothing, okay,
0: nothing wrong with that. Just again, another way to get a system that isn't used very much. People hoard this resource. It's just another yeah. way to get more uses out of it. You know, Nat twenties got inspiration. Perfect. I did something super, and I feel inspired. Yeah. Perfect. But next, <laughs> uh, crits can only come from weapons or unarmed strikes. A lot of people looked at it and said, "Okay." What's the deal? I don't that's how it always has been. Well, right. not not technically. Technically, you could crit on spells. So, any spell that required you to roll to hit could crit, but no more. So, your casters are affected a little bit. The biggest one people brought up that I've seen is Eldritch Blast.
1: Oh, right. You know,
0: that nerfs your Eldritch Blast. Well, one Eldritch Blast should be nerfed. <laughs> It should no longer be the go- to move every round for warlocks. it, sh- yeah. it should not be uh, so I don't mind that. There are some other spells that it can affect, but i don't I don't see it as a big problem, do you?
1: No, because I don't know that we've never we've never really used that in our system anyway. so just from my personal experience, it's not going to change anything. We've only ever crittered on hits. so all right, moving on. Uh, <laughs> but if you have a problem, fill out the survey. We'll go. just keep playing the way we play at our table. And guess what, friends? Little insider tip for you. You can play the way you want to play at your table. Yep. It is your world, baby. You do what you want with it.
0: Yeah, that's the beauty of this game, is you can make it your own. There are all kinds of additional rules that aren't official rules that are out there that people use, house rules and everything else. So if you don't yep. like something, give it a try. I mean, you know, again, like you said, we didn't use that rule at our table. Because spellcasters are already powerful enough, thank you. Uh, yeah, we don't. Yeah, we don't
1: need. We need the crit no. on it. So,
0: so so that has changed a little bit. There were tables that used it, and there are people that are mad. Uh, but again, just keep using it at your table. If you all agree yeah. at your table, just use it.
1: Like, the D and D police are not going to come and stop you. You just, it's, you know, it's okay. You can you can do it that way, and you don't have to get your blood pressure up about it so just <laughs> take a breath say okay great suggestion and then move on
0: what do the dnd police look like
1: um they look like the guards from space balls <laughs> like they- <laughs> fair, enough.
0: fair enough i'm right right that's, that's fair enough yeah. you asked
1: and i knew and i'm like oh they look like and their captain looks like uh, the main, the bad guy from Spaceballs, <laughs> whose name I can't think of right now. Probably shouldn't for copyright reasons. Right? <laughs>
0: yeah. you wish a Schwartz. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> but, but that's that's what they look like. Fair so. enough. Uh, yeah. that, that may be terrifying if that shows up at my door. So I'm glad the DD police aren't coming. I'm just
1: saying. <laughs> you would, I mean, yeah. But that's, they don't, don't worry. They don't visit for people who uh, choose to opt out of the as written rules.
0: <laughs> yeah. Again, as written, raw stuff. Is there a suggestion? It's it, from day one, Gygax and everyone else involved in this game has said it's just there as a guideline. Make it your own. So, you know, exactly. we're going to say it a bazillion times because we don't need people arguing. It's a wonderful game. Just play it and have fun.
1: Yeah. There's no room for stress. So just oh, shake it off, friends.
0: But after saying that, the next piece of crits is that crits can only come from PCs now. So, all you DMs that used to crit with your monsters and, you know, worry about killing all your PCs, hey, you can't crit with them anymore. I, mm, <laughs> Does mm. that one get you?
1: For level one, that's... I get it. Yeah. Totally get it. I understand what they're trying to avoid. They made it clear, like, we're trying to avoid squishing your squishy characters. Okay. I get it. Yeah, Levels 5 through 20, they can handle a crit. If If the... Combat is balanced appropriately,
0: <laughs>
1: which is very difficult to do, we understand.
0: <sighs> and see so
1: I don't know, like
0: that that may to me that is them saying we don't trust you TMs to balance your combat.
1: Hey, I don't trust the D D writers to balance <laughs> my combat either because I've been burned. It's, it's true. I, you know, it's like it's not a balanced combat if you're rolling like the, you know, a mediums, medium numbers. It if, and that's the only way that it's balanced. Does that make sense? I'm sorry. That average really... numbers.
0: Yes, yeah. thank you.
1: Like if, if they think it's a balanced combat, as long as you only hit average rolls, it's not a balanced combat. True. So, what if you just are rolling really good and you hit back to back? nat 20s and then your players are out like that that's that's not a balanced combat even though if it's a cr3 and they're level three characters it's not a balanced combat but that's why it's up to the discretion of the dm and this is a whole of the discussion but that's why i believe in rolling behind the screen and keeping your squishy characters alive and uh you know rolling with it you are you know the, the god of this universe and you get to decide who lives and dies in that moment and but I don't know. That's a whole other argument. I know a lot of people believe in what the dice say. You know,
0: There's a ton. goes. Yep. There's a ton that will not pull their punches. And there have been times where I've been that DM. Uh, and I have gotten older and wiser. And know that sometimes to make the narrative fun, you might have to change things around. Not always pull punches, but you have, might have to change things around. But you mentioned at low levels, you understand it. Well mm-hmm. so here's the thing and they mentioned it and and I get it sort of is they have a built-in crit mechanic for monsters that's recharge abilities. So dragon's mm-hmm. breath, all those other things and lower CR monsters don't have recharge abilities. So you know there's no risk of, of a dragon <laughs> unless you really really mess up and your DM <laughs> hates you. There's no risk of a dragon finding you at level 1 or 2 and using its dragon breath to one shot everybody it's sure it's just not a chance for that so i think i think that's another reasoning behind it that we may see more monsters because i don't maybe they'll redo monsters here too but you may see more monsters that have recharge abilities now so that that's a possibility Uh, i know and i mentioned in our discord when we please rolled out that i will now be homebrewing more monsters with recharge abilities (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because you have to put that fear into your players sometimes they just have to know that there's a big move coming at some point and they need to kill you before it happens
1: yep and i i don't think this is a make or break thing for sure i don't i don't hate it i just i don't know i think it's again just could be up to the discretion of the dm i'd play at a table that did it either way you know i yeah. would do i would play either way so
0: yeah and you know, again it's worth a shot this is what they want you to do. They want you to play test it and see how it goes. Uh, yep. no, we just did a one shot that Ash ran for us, where we got into what were we, level threes, and it was a CR four. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the first two rounds, it was it was wiping us. <laughs> it was doing some damage. I want to
1: make this very clear to the listeners. I could have killed them all. Yeah. It was the, I was literally looking like, and just thinking of having to make up on the spot. Because all of my options that I had for this monster would have ended them instantly. And I was like, um, it's going to move. And, um, like, I'm just having to make it up because it it wasn't balanced uh, appropriately.
0: Yeah. Now, let's be honest. The one move you did was, what, 36 damage. It was almost a max roll, though. You rolled yeah. really well. And that's
1: what I was saying. Like, I rolled really well back-to-back-to-back. Yeah, And it was like, ooh. And then you guys rolled poorly back-to-back-to-back. To back to back. <laughs> and I was like, between those two things, it can't, I mean, if we're saying a balanced encounter, it's only balanced if everyone rolls really average. I don't think that's, you know. Yeah. That's not good.
0: I agree. There, there also has to be, and it was the end of the one-shot. It was from the Radiant Citadel. There also has to be an element of risk. You know, there needs sure. to be risk in combat. So I was thankful to be able to play in a game ever so often. I, I love when Ash runs one shots. Uh, so I was able to play and I was a celestial warlock and I had a few healing abilities that I was able to stand back and use. But as we talked, that prevented me from nuking the thing right? to, to get our people back up. But, you know, again, I don't, <laughs> again, it was just a perfect storm of roles on both sides. Uh, but that's, that's D&D. It's yeah, a, it's a game of chance. It's a game of randomness. But for when you go into a combat in a one shot like that, you do expect it to be balanced, and they all aren't always balanced. Doesn't matter the yeah. CR of the creature.
1: Yeah, it, you have to, you know, even if it's already written for you, and even if it's brilliant writing and incredible art and incredible storytelling, it was awesome. I highly recommend the Journeys Through the Radiant Citadel book. It's really good, but <laughs> I think I, I leaned too heavily on it, that just expecting it to be. Because I'm like, oh, they're, they're pros. <laughs> this isn't like some two e, you know, one shot written to TPK, an entire party of noobs. <laughs> this is, <laughs> this is pros, and this is new, and it's meant to be fun. And and I was like, oh no, like oh oh, they really set me up here. But it was fine, and we rolled with it. And that's what DMs do. Because I choose to believe I have more intelligence and autonomy than a twelve dollars set of plastic <laughs> cubes True. That I'm throwing at my table, True. and it was and it was fine. But yeah, it's not always balancing is hard, even for the pros.
0: It's very hard, and that honestly is the most asked question we get: is how do you balance combat? And so. everyone put it in your notebooks. It's coming up soon. There will be an episode and it may be multiple episodes, but we will start talking about balancing combat because it is difficult. CR is a a, a whole episode on its own. It's yeah. It it stands for crap. Is what CR stands for. (laughs) (laughs) We'll talk about that later. So, uh, so those are some things that have changed with crits. The last thing that has changed. And I think this one is, the one that gets me, and I think it's got a lot of people. Crits, can now, both crit and crit fail, skill checks. And <sighs> I'm just going to say it, I hate it.
1: Yeah. I, I, I'm i not, no. <laughs> so the, there are many- Pass. Yeah. Hard pass.
0: There are many arguments being made, and I can't get behind any of them. The, the biggest one I see people say is, okay, say you're, Player wanted to try to jump a 500 foot fence. Something stupid. It's no way they could do it. And now, if they crit, technically they do. And I see the argument from people as just saying, "Well, don't let them try it." That's not. That's completely outside of the point of the game. If my players want to try something, they're going to try it. It may have a ridiculous high DC. They may never be able to reach that DC with their current stats. But I'm going to let them try it. I can't. Right. As a good DM, you never say no. That's you just don't you don't say no. So I don't like that excuse and crit fails for me too. So and I get also the the argument that if it's mundane why are you even rolling for it. But for me anything over a 10 is not mundane. If it's got a DC above 10 it's not mundane. So DC 12 at you guys level in our campaign now there are some stats you could roll a one in and still pass. Mm. yeah so and again so i get the argument of people like well if they can pass with a one why even roll well because you know that's the game you roll dice we buy these dice and we spend all this money to roll them so we want well, to feel and good it
1: determines to what degree you fail or succeed because ability checks are based on degrees of success or failure so you're doing a perception check to look at around a tavern and let's say you roll less than a ten. Well, you're gonna notice some things about the tavern, but not everything. You roll ten to fifteen, you're gonna notice more. Fifteen or higher, you're gonna notice the crucial thing. That's the that's the point. Yeah. I also believe this completely removes the possibility of failing upward, which I love to see in D D. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you you get into a a dart throwing contest and you roll for acrobatic i guess i don't know what would you roll for a dart throw i'll have to look that up later (laughs) but you you roll on that one and you sneeze while you throw the dart and you don't even see what you're doing but it, something like that something ridiculous that yet you failed but you failed upwards i just think it robs us of that opportunity so i agree with you i don't like absolute fails and absolute succeeds on ability checks
0: And, and, you know, some tables were already doing that. So, again, we go back to this, if it's your table and that's what you all agree to do, then go for it. I have had people be really, really passionate for years about that's the way it should have always been. And, you know, that's fine. It's your opinion. I just feel like it creates too many loopholes, too many reasons that dm is going to have to come up with something really strange to try to explain at some point (laughs) i just i don't like it it
1: it feels stilted to me the way it would play out would feel like you're playing like a, a a video game where you have to type in the answer and it's like that is not a possibility That is not a possibility. You make it through the door. It just feels very like stilted and very like, you know, jarring in as far as play goes. Whereas when you roll, well, what'd you roll? Oh, I got a nine. Okay. And then you can kind of walk them through what that nine gets them and see if somebody else wants to help them with that task or something, you know what I mean? I just, I don't know. Just better storytelling.
0: And there are mechanics out there for take 10 and there's, technically a mechanic out there for take 20 it just takes time to do it Mm -hmm. but those are supposed to be used in instances where there's no pressure it's not a a now do it now or you're going to fail situation and in Mm -hmm. those instances i'm probably not even making you roll something anyway if you have all the time in the world to do it why why would we even roll
1: yeah no yeah if you're going to spend the eight hours doing something go you get it done
0: Most of it's only 10 minutes. You take 10 minutes, you succeed in most things. Sure. So, but the backside of that is, if you spend 10 minutes trying to climb a 500-foot wall, you're still not going to get there. Right. So, you know, at some point it comes down to, to common sense DMing. Can they roll and possibly get things? Yes. Can they do something that's impossible? They can try, but you have to, as the DM, make them fail. And like I said, some spectacular way, they can either... Fail onto another way to do it, or it fails spectacularly, and it's a funny moment. But you have to use some common sense
1: because maybe they're not supposed to get on the other side. Maybe there is literally nothing on the other side of the 500 foot wall, and hitting a natch 20 plus their modifiers and they still don't succeed that's a flag. That's a red flag for the player saying, Oh, this isn't where this is. There's you know, there's nothing else here, edge of the map. Let's go this way instead. And that's that's Again, it just makes for good storytelling. And if you give them an automatic success on something that they're not supposed to succeed on, what now? what then? Yeah. Just gonna figure out what's on that, you know the edge of the map? What are you gonna? What's the plan?
0: I have had to figure out lots of things, lots of different times for things that the players. Well, I mean, have yeah, done, I feel but... like it happens organically <laughs> enough as it is. Let's yeah.
1: not make our jobs even harder as DMs.
0: <laughs> exactly, and, and you know there are tables that have played again with all different kind of rules. Um, there are, are tables where the DM does say no quite often. I, it, it just makes me cringe when I hear a DM say no. It's not possible you know don't say no even if it's impossible come up with some reason why it's impossible you know you're trying to fly to the sun well you don't have a spaceship so you attempt (laughs) to build one and then it blows up and you take one d six damage whatever you know you know give them an excuse don't just say no Mm -hmm. we you know we we preach to our children and to ourselves half the time you can do anything if you put your mind to it right (laughs) (laughs) so that's premise of your D&D character. They believe they can do anything. Sometimes the DM just has to to prove them wrong.
1: (laughs) Yeah. But it's up to them to do so in a way that leads them to the part of the story where they will succeed. Where they will find what they are meant to find.
0: Yes. Collaborative storytelling. You're working together. The DM is not trying to kill you. Remember that, folks. Remember that.
1: But there is a story... This isn't just a sandbox. There is stuff going on. I think sometimes players think it's just your world. I'll just go kick around in it and knock over some castles and you know and stuff and like
0: buy ends oh, and stuff. We're
1: here for. <laughs> what kind of character would do that? Your players sound awful.
0: <laughs> no, I love them. <laughs> the randomness is what makes it great.
1: And I think that's what all of these. I think that's the important thing is sell out opportunity for organic things to happen reasonably, you know, with, within your story, because that's where the magic happens, you know, that's where the connections are made, that's where the ridiculous jokes are spawned, and mm-hmm. that's, that's what you gotta, that's what we're here for. We,
0: we had some, uh, where bear plus Harry Potter jokes come out <laughs> in our last session. My, oh.
1: my stomach hurt, I was laughing so
0: there we were, couldn't
1: uh, stop. Oh my God. We just couldn't stop. When we'd like say something, we'd be like, You're a wizard, Barry, and then we'd all just <laughs> fall apart into giggles. And then the moment we caught our breath, someone would be like <laughs> Like just <laughs> different things. Yes. Barry Potter, the bear who lived. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, y'all.
0: Yeah there there were lots of jokes and that's that's the fun times at the table. When you when you get something that's happened cuz that would involved a, a bear making a crazy save and yeah. some lightning was involved too. So you know you know the, the Harry Potter references were there um and yeah. they just had to be said out loud and it was it was fantastic. So building those situations at the table is fantastic. Uh, you know, if they'd have changed the fact that werebears couldn't make saves on dexterity because they suck at dexterity, then that never would have happened. So, yeah, you know, again, just make the rules, suit your table. If you don't want to try any of these new rules, then don't. Keep doing yeah. what you've been doing.
1: Still check them out and give feedback because it will help. Other things will come of it. Sure. So just read through the nine pages. Give this, do this survey that's happening in a few days. You know, why not? Yeah. What does that say like you have a voice like, you know. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Cast yeah. your vote. Cast your vote. That's right. Everybody go go out and vote. Uh, do that but also give feedback on the right. <laughs> dance. <laughs> uh so so that was the majority of the changes and I think you know we saved the the crit stuff for the last because that is kind of what everybody has been up in arms, back and forth about. There's been some other things here and there that I've seen, but most everybody's a little worried about the changes to grits. Yep. And, and I'm not. Again, I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to do the ability checks, the skills checks, but other, everything else is worth trying. And and I see the reason they want to do ability checks, but it just I don't think it fits at our table. So yep. you know, if it fits at your table, fantastic. Then you know this is a great change by wizards, but just just not for us.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. So this is just the first UA. There will be many more. They say roughly about every month, not exactly every month, but roughly every month they're going to release a new piece to get all the way through the player's handbooks, the monster manuals, all this stuff before 2024 it releases. So we get to test it out. So if we're going in line and in trying to follow theory of the book that's written now, the next thing would be class in the next UA.
1: It better be. (laughs) Because I got to the bottom, I didn't realize class wasn't part of this UA, and I'm like scrolling, scrolling, I'm like, all right, because I, I, first I scroll through and I read what I want to read about, and sure. then when I realized class wasn't there, I was like, oh, come on, <laughs> so it better be class.
0: <laughs> this could be interesting, it was only nine pages this time, but if they're going to go through class, and I guess the basic classes in the handbook aren't that, that many pages, 20 pages or so, I think, so it, it may not be too bad, but what are we speculating on here, what do we think is happening?
1: I, I'm still trying to wrap my head around the current classes that we have, and because and, I've not been playing as long as a lot of people, and so um, I'm like, man, they're changing already, but I'm excited just to see maybe how different classes and different backgrounds can work together in an interesting ways.
0: Okay. That's a good one. Yeah, we've been pretty spot on. I think when we did our guess of what the 50th edition was going to be, we, we were pretty good. We said... Five and a half, and we said a, mm-hmm. a VTT, so I, I think we're we're on on par with that. I I don't think it was that. hard to guess that. We <laughs> think there'd been enough hits that it was going to happen. No,
1: we're really smart. We nailed it. Right, we can
0: see the future, everyone. <laughs> we can see it. Uh, so, but I don't know either on class because if I'm trying to relate it to the changes they've made to the races and backgrounds, I I don't know because they've they've kind of made them. More generic. I know they say in the video that they're going to make the dwarfiest dwarf and the elfiest elf <laughs> with these combinations. The
1: bodiest bod.
0: <laughs> but, but I don't know how that changes classes. I know there will be some. Spells, I know there will be tons of changes. I, I am anticipating a lot of rework on spells. But classes, uh, I, I, do they add a new one? What
1: could they add? Maybe maybe more subclasses within
0: well, there will be... The classes. There will be subclasses, but subclasses are... they pretty basic ones in, you know, just the the player's handbook. They're pretty basic. So I don't anticipate yeah. a ton of changes of subclasses. But, I mean, we had the Artificer come out last.
1: Right. And then Bloodhunter, which is...
0: And I don't... Is it <laughs> technically... I mean, it's CR stuff, but I don't know that it's... It's not an official handbook anywhere. So, Not yet. Not, not yet. Give That's it, true. Give it two years. That's true. It could be there. Uh, I mean, the, the Critical Role stuff are official books. So technically, it is there. You're right. But I, I don't know what other classes they could come up with. They've got them pretty well rounded out. It seems like, following along with things that are happening, seems like something they can most definitely do is drop an, a new type of class. Or... Maybe they combine some classes and, and lessen the amount of classes and just focus more on subclasses.
1: Yeah, they, they seem to be just kind of flavoring stuff more to just suit people. But do you do you have a class that you would like to see? Like, is there something?
0: I really don't. That's the thing now with with the, the basic classes you've got. I don't, how many do you have now? 10, 12, something like that. There's a bunch. Uh, 12, I think, Yeah, right? I, I think it's 12 with those 12 and then the 5 billion subclasses that they have out yeah. there now i you can make just about anything that you're thinking of you know we have toyed around with a lot of homebrew stuff uh, we just released last week on our patreon if you haven't checked it out we released a monk subclass way of the unchained so i mean yeah. there's tons of things you can do with with subclasses out there but as far as a basic class they're all covered. There's, there's three martial classes, and there's f- four or five spellcasters, and there's you know five, four or five. I guess there's four really like, that are like uh, support classes. So, I just, I just really don't know where they would go. And again, any kind of other martial class is just adding flavor to a fighter.
1: I, I wonder. With the release of Spelljammer, Uh if they'll do something that's more in the, I know that like pirate or is it swashbuckler is a monster technically, but in the more of like the navigator seafarer piratey type, because that's its own kind of whole world and culture and and ships and that kind of stuff. So I just wondered, that would be kind of neat to see.
0: It is, Um, but the navigators in that are NPCs. They're not PCs. I know but, but you could. But you also have they could. Maybe. They could. I don't want to yuck anybody's yum. Everybody needs what they want in their games. But you have the sailor background already. You have a lot of backgrounds that can tie you into that. So I don't know if it warrants a full class. Because you can play a swashbuckling rogue. There's already that.
1: Yeah. I'm thinking more of like
0: a space pirate.
1: More of like a, a space pirate or a like commandant mm. or like a sea admiral. Oh, okay. Something like that. And in that same vein, I wonder if there's room for classes that are more charisma-based, but not a bar, <laughs> but, like, more political, more, like, leadership, more, like, royalty. Like
0: spies. and,
1: and, and Yeah, like spies or, like, more, you know, just, like, ambassador class, that kind of stuff. I'm just, you know, just throwing that out okay. there. Might see some expansion into that and that their, you know, role in combat might be more minimal, but more support. their RP would be... Mm-hmm more support, but that their RP would be much stronger and that it, they'd really serve well in more political campaigns, okay. that kind of thing.
0: Now in Starfinder, which has nothing to do with d and but Starfinder has an emissary class. So I, mm-hmm. you know, I get that. They are very good at speaking and they can give the group buffs and things like that. So that could be an interesting way to go if they did something like that. Uh, you know, I don't mind more support classes. Uh, I think they could do with something like that, more support. I think that's a good call. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I can just see that, like, with like it being charisma based, but not, not, not bard. I love bards. I'm not knocking <laughs> bards. I'm just saying, I'm trying to become a BART in, That's our, in true, our campaign. You're halfway there. But you know, I'm just saying that there's there's room for it in to, to flavor that differently, I guess, yeah. and to give those those players power, but not in a martial or magic sense, but political power or even wealth, like something like they can they can move they command yeah.
0: things i don't know i see so. i see yeah there's there's some good opportunity there I, you know we we're sitting here late at night and we're trying to brainstorm things and these guys have been probably working for years trying to get this stuff together because they, they even mentioned with those tashas and monsters of the multiverse and all those things they've released they've already been thinking about it as they've made these small transitions to where we are at today so I, I'm sure they've got something planned. I could see it go either way. I could see them adding one more class, or I could see them mm-hmm. actually like removing some classes and kind of dumbing it down and putting things together and focusing more on subclasses. So I could see it go either way. Like,
1: like combining like Paladin and Cleric, yeah. Or I,
0: I could see that, like I could that. see something like that happening. Uh, wizard and Sorcerers, and, or or Warlocks yeah. and Sorcerers, and stuff like that. So I I could see them doing that. Nobody likes Sorcery Points. We'll just we'll just say that now. Nobody likes Sorcery Points.
1: And if the only difference between those magics are the source of their magic, then that already falls into their new spell categories, mm-hmm. as that just flavors the kind of magic user you are. So, yeah, I don't know. Could see a like I could see a lot of changes or very very few. I'm excited about it. I'm looking forward to it.
0: Yeah, so, you know, we'll try to keep everybody up to date when these new ones come out. We'll we'll try to do these, you know, extra special podcasts to kind of talk it over and review it with everybody. We'll try to have some guests on too that have their own opinions and and can be more eloquent than we are sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that about covers it. We'll see what comes out in the next month or a little bit more and, and hopefully we'll uh we'll keep our perfect record of getting everything absolutely 100 correct that we guess on
1: yeah place your bets now folks <laughs>
0: <laughs> well that's going to do it for us thank you everybody for listening and please be sure to subscribe and rate we could uh, use some rates uh ash usually likes to beg i'll take my turn just rate us <laughs> <laughs> you know wherever you listen give us a rate it helps uh more people find us and that's all we're doing. We're trying to invite more people into this wonderful game. I think I finally stopped calling it a sport. Uh, we're trying to invite more people into this wonderful game. That's a great pastime and hobby. So, uh, you know, we're trying to help those, those new players that are still on the fence. So get our name out there and yeah. we would uh, surely appreciate it greatly.
1: Thank you. Yeah,
0: and next week, tune in. We have a special guest, Kay Wilson, will join us to talk about uh, their superhero D and D actual play podcast, and actually what it takes to run an actual play podcast. We don't we don't go that far. We just talk about things. They they do a whole show. Oh
1: no. Oh yeah, we're all talk. <laughs> we're all talk. No, it it's a great episode. I am very excited for what Kay and their group is is doing. Um, you'll you'll like it. Tune in and you'll not only get a great episode out of us, but then you'll have a whole other podcast you can subscribe to as well.
0: Absolutely. We'll see everybody next time on the Crypt of Knowledge.
1: See you guys